0: So we're gonna continue our Disciple uh, The Cost of and Reward of Being Like Jesus uh, Bible Study series. And tonight we're gonna talk about communion. Now we're gonna spend the next few weeks talking about communion, examples of communion in the Bible, what it means. I'm hoping to have um some other teachers kind of share, not their perspectives, but um just share what the Bible says about communion. But our main goal and purpose is In being a disciple is being like Jesus. You know, as Christians we are Christ followers, but we're not just following Him. We are. I liken it like this: we're not just we're not just going where He's going. We're taking the same steps He took to get there. We are being like Him as we follow Him. So, um, whether it's communion, baptism, giving, stewardship, uh, the Bible, church. Uh, sacrifice, anything and everything that has to do with being a disciple of Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about for the next year. Um, So if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, we'll have sort of our, hi, have our, um, our main text that will guide us over the next few months. Matthew chapter 16. Does he need help with anything out there? Oh, okay, I saw him in the back of the car, I thought maybe he needed help. Alright. Matthew chapter sixteen, verse twenty-four says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Um don't turn there, but make note of this verse. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse six and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to god must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him and so we understand that there is a great cost to following jesus but there's also great reward um and so we don't want to have an unhealthy emphasis on the cost or the reward we want to look at them both so let's uh let's take a moment let's pray and then we'll get into communion. Jesus, thank you so much. Uh, this time, for me personally, the time change, the weather change is just throwing me off. And uh, But I am thankful that you are faithful. No matter what's happening externally, uh, you're here, you're guiding, you're loving, and you're awesome. I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way tonight. That you would go in and through your people, that you would teach us and reveal to us, give us ears to hear and eyes to see the greatness and the and the and the just the sheer awesomeness of your Son Jesus. That, as we read these scriptures, as we begin to uh, learn about uh, communion, whether for the first time or just for the for the the most recent time, uh, that you'd open our eyes to that, that we would uh, see Jesus more clearly, and uh, and and love him even more we give you the praise tonight in Jesus name amen and so Jesus says carry your cross Um, when Jesus tells us to his disciples um, you know i often wonder what they thought they hadn't seen him crucified yet but yet he's telling them to you know carry their cross you have to pick up your cross and follow me I wonder what that meant to them before and how that came back to their minds afterwards Um Carrying the cross, carrying our cross is expected of us. It's a command to us. But then also having faith in Jesus and knowing that it, it is us, uh, an action that will be rewarded by God is just as true. And so we don't want to lose sight of either one. We want to say, yes, there is a cost, and yes, there is a reward for being like Jesus by following him, walking in the way that he has walked. And so now here's a quick question. Um I'm related to some of you, so I know the answers to some of this, but what holiday traditions do you have? Um, one of the hardest holiday traditions for me, uh, moving to New York into the family that I married into, was that Christmas was different. When I was a kid, we would open up presents uh, from the family on Christmas Eve, and then Santa always brought the big gift on Christmas morning. So when I was a kid, when I really wanted a Transformer and, and the, big, the biggest one to have was Optimus Prime, that's who I wanted. That's who I'd find under the Christmas tree Sunday uh, on Christmas morning from Santa and everything else, the pajamas and the, and, the, and the socks and the smaller toys. That was all the night before. Come out here, my wife tells me, no, we're going to open them all on Christmas Day. Are you kidding me? Like we have to wait because I'm like the biggest kid ever. We have to wait till the next day. I don't get to open nothing. Nope. Oh, all right. It's a tradition. It it was it was these two worlds of mine colliding, and and, you know that's just how we do things now, and I'm okay with that, uh, sort of. (laughs) But that's that's one of my holiday traditions. Um, some of you might have similar traditions or completely different traditions. In my uh, on the side of my family that's Hispanic. They had a lot of holiday traditions that I'd never seen, you know I, things that they would do, especially at Christmas time, going to church at like six o'clock in the morning, like of all things, going to Catholic mass on top of that. you know it's not just it's not just church like to me that's just going to sleep somewhere else <laughs> um, so early singing and all these ritual and and you know like, oh wow, why are you guys doing that? It's our tradition. Okay, well, I'm not going to adopt that tradition. Um, traditions are a good thing you know having traditions are, are a good thing, but traditions uh can sometimes supersede the commands of God and the hearts of men, and that's where we run into a lot of trouble um you know when I think of something like communion, you look at the Catholic Church and it's not it's not throw Catholics under the bus night, but you think of the Catholic Church, they have a very rigid um Specific way that they take communion. You know, one of the only times I've ever seen communion taken. You know, I watch all these people drinking from the same cup. Ew, that's gross. I'm not. I, I'm not going to drink from somebody else's cup. I don't. <laughs> I don't need to walk away with a cold sore or something because you know Johnny over here. You know, his mouth isn't clean, so now I got whatever he's got. Or this person has a stomach bug, and now I've got a stomach bug. Like I don't – I'm not down. I love the little cups. Like That's perfect. I love the cleanliness of that. But you look at the way that they do communion, it's very rigid. It's very um, lifeless. The soul is almost sucked out of it. Some people find a lot of fulfillment in that. I personally do not. Um, And so in Christianity, we have very few biblically mandated traditions to carry out. One of them is communion. Um communion with baptism, uh, really the only two we call them sacraments um really the only two that we're commanded to keep doing um as an outward ritual that's indicative of an inward change um you know we don't have a lot of the candle lightings you no know, i don't have I don't wear a lot of robes, you know the most of the people in Protestant churches don't look like uh shaman, you know it's just we don't do a lot we don't pray on a specific day or a specific time we've come into this understanding through the bible that every day is the lord's day the lord is in every direction i don't have to cover my head or uncover my head to to have god hear me I mean, I, i've met people who cover their head when they pray or they can't have their head covered when they pray as if you know everything's going to be muffled to the lord if their head's not co- if their head's covered um and so well we what we have to understand when it comes to communion is that um the tradition of it cannot supersede the command to do so so turn to luke chapter twenty two we're going to explore what communion is by looking at what we call the first communion um as a side note as you turn that to luke chapter twenty two I remember these kids in in grade school. They always got to leave class early, like one day out of the week, to go study for their first communion. And I always wondered what that was and found out later what it meant. You know, they were they were getting to that place where they, it was going to be their first time that they took of the wine and took of the bread, and, and it was their f- literal first communion. This is our model of why we do what we do when we take communion. Luke chapter 22 says this, verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at, at the table. And the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And verse 17 says, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body in which which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise uh, the cup after they had eaten excuse me, and likewise the cup uh, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is the first communion slash the last supper. This is the night before Jesus' uh, crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his subsequent resurrection. Um, he is enjoying the Passover meal, which is a Jewish tradition, uh, with the 12 disciples. At this point, Judas is still there. What we have in communion in the model that the Lord has, has, has left for us is the command to cont- continue doing this. Do this in remembrance of me. One of the things that we miss culturally in this is that for these men who sat around jesus ha- having this passover meal this was not their first passover meal you know, they had been having this meal for quite some time if you've ever studied the passover meal it, it's a it's a long-held tradition it goes back to the the days of the exodus where uh... the 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 angel of death passed over egypt um, and killed the firstborn of every household that didn't have uh... the blood on it covering it it was this Celebration of being liberated from the slavery of of Egypt by the Jewish people, and and to this day it's still celebrated. And there's all kinds of intricacies. You know, there's this there's this plate in the middle. There's a there's a bone for Jacob's hip, and there's bitter herbs and salt water, and 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 it's it's called the the, the Passover seder or the seder meal. It's very intricate for these men who had been doing this since they were young since they were young boys. Until this moment where Jesus broke the bread and presented them with the wine, they had no idea the fullness of what that all meant. At this moment, they knew, oh, the broken body, the bread is Jesus' body. It's not just, it's, we're not just breaking bread together. It's, it's representative, it's symbolic of the body that Jesus is going to give up. And I'll go back and correct myself already. In this moment, they may not have even known that. But after his crucifixion, oh, this is what he meant by, this is the bread that's, you know, this is my body that I give up for you. This is my blood that I have shed for the sins of the world. How, you know, as as Gentiles not growing up celebrating this, for us, there's no wow factor there. There's no, there's no, oh, I see. But for a Jewish person there is to see that oh the reason why we do this the reason why this, this bread is broken is because Jesus' body would be broken the reason why there is this wine that we drink it's it's representative of the shed blood of Jesus now like I said before there's, there's often a, a temptation to take communion and idolize it to make it into a ritual rather than uh, what it really is, and we'll get into that in just a moment. In First Corinthians, Paul has to write to the church and tell them, "Look, you guys are taking communion in the wrong way. You're using communion as an ex- as an excuse to overeat and to overdrink. Uh, you're using it as an excuse to be gluttonous and to be drunkards, and and this is def, def- defaming." The Lord. This is blaspheming the Lord. You're not, you're not honoring Him, and you're not remembering Him. You just need an excuse to get drunk, and so you're using the Lord's communion, and that's the last thing you should be using uh, the Lord's communion for. And so we have to be careful that we don't rely upon things like baptism and communion as the only evidences of of our salvation. What we are honestly doing as Christians, we rely on the Holy Spirit to work through our lives every day. We rely on Him to, to function, to, to exercise, and to do the commands that God has commanded us to do. Um, we cannot simply bank on, while I took communion, I'll be okay. Oh, I got baptized, everything's okay. These are outward expressions of hopefully what has happened internally – But we're not going to get baptized every day. We're not going to take communion every day. Why bread and wine? Bread and wine, I don't know why I'm pointing at the screen. I don't have any examples up there. The elements of communion that we use are bread and wine. In modern-day church, communion has become sort of uh, minimalized. You get a little shard of cracker. You get a little cup full of juice. If I showed up to your house and that's what you offer me for dinner, I'd walk away saying, not the best dinner party. Communion, in essence, is the coming together of Jesus and a person and, and the individuals in the churches together. To have a time of fellowship, to have a time of remembrance, to have a time where you transcend the reasons why we're not related – and embrace and celebrate the, the reasons that we are. And we come together with this bread and this wine in the same way they did the Passover meal. Um, these unite us. Nothing unites a people like a meal. Nothing unites a a, a the people who don't have anything to do with one another like sitting them down and having a meal together. Um Communion so much more than coming to the front, having the juice, having the bread. It's a moment where you connect with Jesus and you connect with the people that you go to church with. You connect with the people that you share your faith with um, in the same way that you share a Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner or, or a birthday party slash dinner where everybody comes together. It's no longer about each of us. It's no longer about the individual. It's about Jesus. The bread represents his body. And if you understand matzo, like we always use that cracker, that dry cracker. We don't know how old it is. It's been in the cupboard since the 70s, and we just, we just eat it. I'm joking. I bought it like a year ago. It's not that old. Um, <laughs> but it's um, – <clears throat> if you look at it, this matzah cracker, first of all, it's cracker because it has no leaven. It has no yeast. It has nothing in it that will puff it up. In the Bible, often, not always, but often, leaven is synonymous with sin. And so for the Passover meal, you know, the Jewish people, that one of their commands was not to have anything with leaven for the week prior or the week of the Passover meal, um, indicative of Jesus' sinlessness. But then also this bread uh, was broken. You know, They all took from the same kind of loaf, if you will, broke it up, and gave it to each person. You know, Jesus said and I didn't write down the specific uh reference but Jesus once confounded the Pharisees by saying my flesh is real bread and my my blood is real drink my flesh is real food and they they thought he was uh commanding cannibalism they didn't understand that he was using such a a graphic uh metaphor that Jesus is is not just is is not just he's not just a god that's far off he's to to be consumed through his word, through through devotion, through worship. He is, you know, we are to become part of him as he has become part of us. The wine is indicative of uh, or symbolic of the blood that he would shed. And while his physical blood had limitations, meaning, meaning Jesus at the time of his death on the cross, he only had so much blood to bleed, right? I mean, he, it only poured out so much, but symbolically – That blood that was shed is the blood that was shed to not just cover, but to erase the sins that we have committed. Praise God that he would come to this earth as a man, live a sinless life, and not judge us or condemn us, but stand in our place. That God's wrath being poured out towards us like a wave, Jesus stood there and took it, so that we would not experience it, so that we would be forgiven, so that we would have relationship and be reconciled with God. Now going back to the Catholics, because we share a heritage with the Catholics, they believe in something called, big word, hard to say, transubstantiation. What does that mean? It means they believe when they take communion, when they drink the wine, when they eat the bread, that something happens – between their mouths and their stomachs, and it literally becomes the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Um, A, there's no scientific evidence of this ever happening. B, there's no biblical evidence that this happens. And we as Protestants, or I would just say we as just as Bible believing Christians, we simply don't believe that. There's nothing biblical that tells us that it does that or that it has to do that. Um, and this is often why sometimes uh, communion gets elevated to a place it's not supposed to be. Something mystical, something magical is happening. No, it, it is very much symbolic, but it's not mystical. And so Jesus teaches that the bread is is this scarred, scored, level, you know, yeastless bread that is symbolic of his body that was offered up just like he offered up his body. And the blood that was shed, this grape juice uh, – uh, Not coincidentally, also arrived or or also made by the crushing of something. You know, grapes are turned into wine, not simply by magic, and they get crushed. Uh, Jesus was crushed for our sin. He was bruised and beaten for our iniquities. Um, Jesus gives this Passover meal, this, this specific part of the Passover meal, a whole new meaning. So in communion, when we have communion on a Sunday morning, and we will do that again at the end of this month, it will be Palm Sunday, be a very appropriate time to have communion. <clears throat> there is something that should be happening. Not the transubstantiation, not Jesus's you – know, not the bread becoming Jesus's flesh. I mean that's just weird. Come on. But here's what should be happening. Number one is Intimacy. Um, As Christians, uh, we often lack intimacy with one another. We might be really great at intimacy with the Lord, but there's this lack of intimacy between one another. And what I mean by intimacy is not the intimacy experienced between a husband and a wife, but just the intimacy of good friends and family. The ability to talk to one another and allow someone into your life in a way that transcends other relationships intimacy is scary because it leads to our second one vulnerability being vulnerable is not a hallmark of human nature human nature strives to protect itself and to not be vulnerable in front of anybody you read any book on leadership you read any book on making it in corporate america being vulnerable is not the trait that you are being taught however in the kingdom of God being vulnerable is absolutely essential not being a not being um don't mix this up with with being a, a punching bag a, a, a doormat that people just walk all over it's the ability to let your guard down enough so that you can love people in the way that they need to be loved without vulnerability, intimacy becomes very difficult. So as we take communion, it's more than just the juice and the bread. It's more than just, uh, just this physical act that we're doing. It's growing together as, as a family. Number three, in communion, we should be dying to ourselves. We're reminded of the death of Jesus and being reminded that we ourselves need to die to our desires and passions. Uh, praise God that he gives us passions for good things. But in what I'm talking about as far as passions go, I mean things like the lust of the flesh. I mean uh, just the desires to sin, the desires to do what is backwards or anti-Jesus. There should be a dying to oneself, um, a recommitment. you Because know, none of us comes to communion perfect. You know, I'm guilty of this as anybody. You know, telling people don't come to com- take communion unless you're ready. Well, how can you ever really be ready unless unless Jesus is in the room? Nobody's really ready. <laughs> nobody's completely sinless. So there's a, a recommitment to to pick up that cross again, to to die to yourself again, and ultimately the lifting up of the work of Jesus. I praise God that it's not our job. To go around telling everybody how good we are. You know, here's my list of accomplishments, and you can be just like this. You know, here, here's what it takes to be a Christian. We lift up the work and the name of Jesus. We say, look, look at the cross of Christ. Look at what He has done. Look at, you know, if anything, I'm going to hold up how how much of a sinner I am, and how much He's cleaned me up. I'm gonna I'm gonna just keep bragging about what He has done, not what I have done. I'll, I'll brag about. How I kept kicking and screaming. Like I'm the child in the store that needs to be dragged out kicking and screaming. I'm going to brag about how big he was and how good he was at getting me out of that store. That, that no matter how much I kicked and screamed, he was still so good and loving and kind that he got me out of there. That he was bigger than me and bigger than my sin and bigger than my foibles. So we lift up the work of Jesus. Jesus died for us. Jesus Jesus carried his cross perfectly. Jesus, uh, Jesus did more than just die on a cross. He conquered sin and death. Um, as we get ready for, for Easter, Easter's like less than three weeks away. It comes early this year with, with an early you know, not early, but with daylight savings time and, and everything else that's happening, I mean, it, it's going to be here in a matter of weeks. As we're getting ready for that, it's, it's a great time and a great um, opportunity to remember that Jesus not only died for our sins, but that he conquered death. Not metaphorically, not symbolically, but literally. Dying, and then he tells his disciples, I, laid my li- I lay my life down and I pick it back up again. I I marvel at that. Nobody on earth has that ability. John, if you go and die tomorrow, and I hope that you don't, you can't go into that saying, "Well, I'll just take up my life if I want to." I mean, yeah, I'm I'm dying now, but, you know, in a couple days, I'll just take my life up again. That's what Jesus did. When it comes to communion, what's the what's the cost of being a disciple in communion? We acknowledge that this shed blood, this broken body was necessary because we are sinners, that costs us our pride, that costs us any false sense of security, that costs us our very lives. Um, grace is free, but grace is not cheap. There's a big difference. Grace is free, but it came at a great cost to to the Lord. It cost him his life. But what is the reward? while while you know it costs us our pride it costs us uh our, our 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 flesh it costs us those desires that are anti-god anyways what is the reward jesus says do this in remembrance of me not just not just eat bread and drink wine i mean you can go to any restaurant and do that but the idea of christians coming together and remembering what jesus has done this is the epitome of unity. The reward that we experience in being a disciple of Jesus in communion is unity, not uniformity, not being the same, not being uh, all dressed the same, looking the same and same haircut and all that, but you, united in the same direction. You know John, Laura, you know my, my mom and dad, Marie, Vi, we are all together going in the same direction. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We have unity. We're all worshiping and walking in the same direction. When we get together on a Sunday morning, ideally our eyes are focused on Christ and on Christ alone. And in so, in so doing, you know, if you look at me and you, if we're both focused on Jesus, we naturally gravitate towards each other as we go towards Jesus. Like a triangle as we gravitate towards Jesus, you know you and I, John, we get to know each other better. We become more united. we become, we become literal brothers in Christ. And same thing with you, Laura and, and Wally and Gladys and, and Marie and Vi and for you know the people coming on Sunday and for the people we don't even know yet. What's the reward unity? What's the reward? family? I love that that South Bay Chapel it's not the biggest baddest church in town. But, man, we've got a family. There are people I can call on, and they'll come and clean the church if if it's needed. If somebody needs something, I can go, hey, you know, i got a buddy over here who needs this. Anybody know how to help? Sure, I know how to help. I'll go help them out. Right on. People who I'll be praying, Lord, how are you going to answer this prayer? And then somebody calls me up and says, hey, I want to do this for you or give this to you or, or share this with you. All right. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. I have such a great family. I love that broken people come into this church looking to be healed, that they know that Jesus can, can bring them the healing that, they, that, that only He can give. You see, this is the reward of being a disciple. This is the reward of actual communion. You know when we, when we relegate communion just to cracker and bread, or excuse me, cracker and wine on a Sunday morning, I mean, we cheapen it. We're as guilty as the Corinthians. Who Who just got drunk and gluttonous with it? We just well it's just something we got to do, but when we come up here and our purpose is to be united with Christ and united with each other, then Jesus is glorified. then the church grows you know, i i'm I'm very happy with the way church is right now. I want us to grow as a church, not just a number but in intimacy, in a way that we can trust one another. And that That's tough. The church, especially in, in recent decades, has given us very little to trust, right? There are way too many headlines. There are way too many examples of people who have taken the trust of the individual and just crushed it, I mean, in the worst possible way. And so it starts with us. You know it starts with with people like you and I deciding to be vulnerable to allow people to trust us again to to let them have their reservations to seek Jesus and prove them not just wrong but to show them that Jesus can be trusted that the that the shortcomings of man are not an example of the goodness of Jesus. I think that the cost of communion is very high. I think the reward is higher still. I think that what we give up, in hindsight of what we get, we're not giving up too much. Salvation in general, what we give up, dying to ourselves, dying to our sins, being born again in Jesus by the Holy Spirit, we, we, we win. God is good to us. Jesus loves us. And we have no reason to do this in such a manner that is is less than awesome. To to only give uh, a little bit of ourselves when Jesus has given so much.